Today's show brought to you by Redcon1.com. That's right. Click the link at the bottom of the podcast app in which you are listening to this on. Check them out. Use promo code T20Quartermiss. That's right. Redcon1.com. There's nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. I am the nation. I was born on July 4th, 1776, and the Declaration of Independence is my birth certificate. The bloodlines of the world run in my veins because I offered freedom to the oppressed. I am many things and many people. I am the nation. I am 200 million living souls and the ghost of millions who have lived and died for me. I am Nathan Hale and Paul Revere. I stood at Lexington and fired the shot heard around the world. Washington, Jefferson, Patrick Henry, and John Paul Jones, the Green Mountain Boys, David Crockett, and Lee. Coming to you from the D Tom Studios in the free state of Florida, sponsored by Maker's Mark Bourbon. This is Don't Tread on America. And I am your host, Don Q. How's everybody doing out there today? It is Monday, November 7th, 2022. So, back again. Sorry, guys, about Friday. Had some things come up. Um, Yeah, you know how it is. Um, But, my bad. I try to get stuff... uh, pre-recorded so I can release them, and uh, I dropped the ball. Sue me. I've told you guys time and time again, this is a part-time podcast. I do have a full-time job and a wife. (laughs) This does not pay me any money. I'm doing this for the shits and grins of it to bring you guys information that I feel is pretty interesting And uh, from the downloads, I can tell that you guys believe so, too. So with that being said, I need you guys to do me a gigantically huge favor. Continue to do what you're doing. Share this with your friends. Whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, please, please give us a five-star rating. If you want to leave a comment, tell me how awesome I am. That would be greatly appreciated, too. But uh, one of the most important things you can do on top of sharing this with your friends... um, is uh, subscribe. Subscribe to the to the page um, on whatever podcast app you're listening. It doesn't cost you anything. You guys know this. You're, you're not new to podcast listening. You know it doesn't cost anything to hit that subscribe button. So go ahead and hit that. That way you get updates. And, uh, you know, and, and when I say share this with your friends, if you have friends that you think, well, they're not, they're not Republicans or they're, you know, whatever, it, this isn't about that. This is about the history of our world our country especially, and the, the how the global elites, whatever party they belong to, are uh, taking us lowly simple folk, no matter what color you are, um, for granted. You know, and it doesn't even matter how much money you make. You could you could be living your life, living your best life. Right, you could you could have a decent job, making decent money, and you pay your bills, and you live in a decent house, and you have a decent car, and you're able to go out to dinner and go on vacations and whatnot. 
you're still not one of them. You're still not one of the elites, and you're still being taken advantage of. So this concerns you. Unless you're one of those one percenters that they always speak of, you're you're nothing. You're one of us. You're part of the Don't Tread on America team. Welcome to the family. Um, <laughs> but seriously, welcome to the family. All right, so the uh, last show we did was about the bushes. So we're going to continue on. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> um, now, I did close that out with the, um, the Bush uh, crime family. Right, and uh, I did tell you going forward that we would probably flash back to the Bush family, but not necessarily to talk about the Bush family. And uh, today is not going to be one of those days. I've got a whole different subject, um, one that not many people know about. I like to ask this question when I'm talking to people in person. Have you ever heard of this? And usually you get that face. It was kind of like the Kazarian Mafia. Have you ever heard of Kazarian Mafia? Most people look at you like, what? Um, probably one of the most downloaded shows we've done in a while since the NWO show. Um, so today's going to be one of those shows. And um, I guess the the basic question is, have you ever heard of the black secret society of elites called the Boule. Well, if you haven't, don't be surprised. You're not supposed to know who they are. But before we get into that, I want to make sure you to remind you of our other sponsor of the show, Christian Lawson Watches. Check them out at ChristianLawson.com. Use promo code DTOM, D-T-O-M, at checkout to get 30% off on your purchase price. Check them out. Guys, Christmas is right around the corner. Get you a watch. Get your wife a watch. If women, get your husband a watch. Your boyfriend, guys, wives, girlfriends, both. Whatever you got. Your mom, your dad. Check them out. ChristianLawson.com. DTOM at the checkout for 30% off. Okay, guys, so one other bit of business to get to before we get to the good stuff. Um, Don't forget to check out our social media, guys. Um, Don't trend on America on Instagram, Facebook, and the Ticker Talker. And basically on TikTok, I just make drinks and goofy faces and yell at you a little bit. Um, and check us out on uh, Twitter at DTOM underscore 1775. And if you want to follow me, on the Twitter machine, it's PCGC underscore 1775. And drop me a line. Tell me I'm stupid. Say I'm pretty. Whatever you want to do. I don't care if you have questions. If you have a subject that you want me to cover, you know, hit me up there. You can also check us out on the interweb at www.donttreadonamerica.com. All right. <laughs> and share this with your friends, guys. Please. I can't, I can't reiterate that fact enough all right so have you ever heard of the black boule the black boule is a secret society of of black elites dating back to the early 1900s um 
and if you've never heard of the boule, that's probably because it's by design. Officially known as Sigma Pi Phi, the boule was founded in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in 1904 by Dr. Henry McKee Minton and five of his colleagues. And uh, I will tell you who those colleagues were because I've got to bounce between two different situations here. So you had Henry uh, Minton. He was a Philadelphia College of Pharmacy graduate, 1895, and a second-year Jefferson medical student who in 1906 would become its second black American graduate. Uh, Algernon Jackson, medical doctor, in 1901, the first American graduate of Philadelphia's Jefferson Medical School, having previously attended the Indiana University Medical College. Edwin C.J.T. Howard, in 1865, one of the first two black American graduates of Harvard Medical School. Then there was Richard Warwick. Now, just listen to some of these last names, too. That you'll, it, It's interesting. DDS, in 1900, black American graduate of Pennsylvania College of Dental Surgery, having consented to establish Sigma Pi Phi fraternity, these men agreed to meet again two weeks to approve the fraternity's constitution and ritual to elect its initial officers. During the two-week interval, they also added two men to the group. Eugene Hinson, uh, medical doctor in 1898, black American graduate of the University of Pennsylvania Medical School, and Robert um, Abelli, Abel maybe, I don't know, a medical doctor, first American, uh, black American graduate of 1895 of the Hanneman Medical College in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. These intimate six men were the founders of Sigma Pi Phi. Um, let me bounce back over here. So, um, it's, it's the... It is the nation's first, or it was, it is, it currently is. I mean, it's amongst other Greek organizations, but it was the first black Greek organization. Before being exposed to the general public by various individuals in the 1990s and 2000s, the Boulay was in par with white organizations like Skull and Bones. People knew they existed, but couldn't really prove it. The meaning of the group is um, Council of Chiefs or Advisor to Kings in Greek. The boule was for much of, its, much of its existence an elite invitation-only secret society for black men of high regard. Members are chosen based on their professional accomplishments and community standings. Now you got to remember this is back in 19, early 1900s, 1904 to be exact. So back in those days there was very, very few uh, men or women of color that even went to college, let alone graduated, let alone were doctors of some sort, whether they were MDs or, or dentists or whatever. Um, so you got to think, it's not like today where you have a lot of people, a lot of uh, black people, whether it be men or women, that have high professional accomplishments and or are also in uh, high regards in community standing back in these days you got to understand the time frame wasn't obviously was nothing like today um, slavery had just ended 30 
some odd years prior to this. And for the most part, you know, there were still some parts of the country that slavery had just ended. You know what I'm saying? So, it's very interesting. Skull and Bones started, what, in early or mid, well, 1824, I think it was, somewhere around there. So, it had been around about 80 years, roughly. So, and from Yale, you had a couple of these guys go to Harvard, and they were up in that area. But, um, it is considered the father of the Black Greek Letter Organizations that make up the Divine Nine. So the Divine Nine are Alpha Phi Alpha, Kappa Alpha Psi, Omega Psi Phi, Phi Beta Sigma, Lotta Phi Theta, Alpha Kappa Alpha, Delta Sigma Theta, Zeta Phi um, Beta, and Sigma Gamma Rho. Those are basically, you go to any college. I, I don't want to just, you know, dumb it down to just, you know, like black colleges. But like you have your eight, what are those? Uh, HBCUs, the historically black college universe, whatever they are. Um, but they have them in all, you know, universities and colleges. Anyone that has uh, fraternities and sororities, they have these, these uh, Greek organizations but uh, pri primarily, they are for your black students, whether they male or female. Um, in a 2011 interview, political researcher and speaker Steve Coakley called the Boulay an illegal criminal enterprise full of, quote-unquote, black complicity in the centralization of worldwide power the, of the New World Order. <clears throat> um, Coakley accused the Boule of being in cahoots with white power structures to keep wealth and power limited to a very small part of the population. Um, in the, in one on one of the pages in in the bowl, in the first Boule history book, it noted that it wanted to be like skull and bones of Yale. Coakley said those societies and the Boule tend to make up an aristoc aristocracy. <laughs> in the terms of uh, depute, deputizing, I'm sorry, 10% of the population to assure that the 90% never catch on. Um, in a 1990 interview with the Los Angeles Times, then incoming Bole president Dr. Benjamin Major told reporter Karen Grigsby Bates, um, I'm sorry, Karen Brigby Bates, that initially the organization was committed to maintaining its exclusive exclusivity. However, Major said they were shifting their focus to be more socially engaged and uh, making a commitment to uplift the less fortunate members of the community. Um, until eight or ten years ago, we were told what we were perceived to be, Major told the Times, we don't want to appear as if we were remaining above the problems of most black people. We know we didn't get here solely by the dent of our own hard work. We owe a lot of people and we have to give back to our brothers and sisters. So, um, let me back up here. I didn't know there was a video in this. I don't want to watch it. I don't know what it's about. So we'll scroll down here. The Boulay boasts 
some of the most notable black men throughout history among its ranks, many of whom are admired and respected for their work to obtain equality uh, for the black community. They include W.E.B. DuBose, Dr. Martin Luther King, Dr. Benjamin E. Mays, Whitney Young, Arthur Ashe, John Lewis, Andrew Young, Ron Brown, Eric Holder, Herman Cain. That's just to name a few. Now, it's interesting to note the names. Any names that I, I bring up throughout this show, and, and I should also tell you this too. In my, in my efforts to keep these shows to an hour, this probably will be a two-parter um, based on time and, and way I ramble. I have got a pretty good chunk of stuff here. Some of it repeats, so I just have to kind of bounce back. Like I said, I'm bouncing back and forth between a couple different articles because they kind of all say the same thing, but there's different points in each one. So just pardon me if we, if we repeat a little bit. But just take note to the names of, of some of these prominent people when, we, when I uh, come across them. However, Coakley and others alleged DeBose and other members of the Boule sabotaged other black leaders like Marcus Garvey, who were committed to a pan-African agenda in hopes of maintaining famous, talented 10th, DeBose wrote. Okay, so before we get too far into this, and I'm saying these names like Coakley and DeBose and Marcus Garvey, before I keep saying these names, you more than likely have no clue who these people were. And, and I'm not saying I'm smarter than you, but I don't know who they are. I mean, I could say names like DeBose, and I can say names like Martin Luther King and Arthur Ashe and Eric Holder. We know those names. They pop. They, we know who they are. We could talk about more current names. We can talk about rappers and actresses, actors, uh, basketball players. We could talk about those people now, and we'll get to those people in a little bit. Um, but who are these other gentlemen that we're talking about? Okay, so, um, so Stephen, um, or Steve, I should say, Stephen Coakley, um, basically who he is, he is the godfather of black conspiracy theory. Um, political researcher and lecturer, lecturer, Steve Coakley was known for his insight not only on political and economic issues concerning the African-American community, but mainly for shedding light on outside forces used to destroy black America. He became known as the godfather of black conspiracy theory. Born in 1952, Coakley died in 2012. So here are seven things to know about Steve Coakley. Uh, while student at De La Salle High School in New York City, he was an avid baseball player. Coakley attended Northern Illinois University, where in college and his role as an NCAA youth leader, his political activism began. He launched his career, uh, began with the Department of Justice, and also worked with, or, sorry, worked at the Bobby Wright Community Mental Health Center, was chief of staff for Alderman Marion Humes, and Eugene Sawyer. He later became mayoral aide to Mayor E. Uh, Sawyer, who succeeded Mayor Harold Washington. 
Coakley um, began a full-time career as a political researcher and lector, traveling the country, delivering lectures, and speaking at universities and community organizations. His research and lectures lectures, um, focused on secret societies that Coakley said controlled world economies and politics. Um, He frequently toured with activists Khalid Mohammed and Dick Gregory. Now, before I, I continue on about him, he, he when he talks about economics, politics, secret societies, he wasn't just focused on the black boule, the, the uh, but like the skull and bones, the WEF, the um, which the WEF I think was just getting started. He focused on the um, the Illuminati, the Freemasons, the the uh, the committee of 300 you know these people the Bilderbergs the uh, I can't think of the other group off the top of my head but those those groups we, we say those names now as of late, more t- more frequently more recently these names aren't strange to us they answer they aren't so secret we can talk about Bil- Bilderberg and Illuminati and and uh, you know, the WEF and all these different groups and the Rockefellers and the Russells and the Committee of 300. I did a show on them. We can talk about those. And those will sound somewhat familiar. The 13 bloodlines of the Illuminati, the names that I've said in those shows are, you. okay, yeah, I've heard of those names. I've heard of some of those names, may not. But <laughs> reason I like doing shows like this on the Black Bull A, guarantee you didn't hear about them. Kazarian Mafia, guarantee you've never heard of it. This is what this guy did. And now, as a black man himself, he focused a lot on this secret society because as we get into who the the boule are, I don't want to say were because it's current. This isn't old. This is a current situation. You'll understand how some of, of the um, black leaders... Back then, when I say back then, I'm talking about in the 60s, 70s, up till today, and you'll you'll see you'll see a a fine line of of coincidence between a um, Steve Coakley and let's say a Kyrie Irving or a uh, what's his face, the rapper Kanye West. I'm sorry, um, and and you'll you'll kind of understand where I'm going to go with this. But beyond conspiracy theories, Coakley lectured on a variety of things beyond conspiracy theories, including water conservation, organic farming, and communal communal living. In fact, he gave thousands of lectures on global warming and corporate conspiracies, among other topics. Now, the interesting thing is, if if he was around today and did these things, conservation, organic farming global warming, that stuff, corporate conspiracies. He would fit in with the the Bernie Sanders part of the Democratic Party. What made him different was the, the corporate conspiracies, maybe not the corporate conspiracies, but just the secret society conspiracies is what would shunned him. And, and that's the thing about the left or the right. I have told you time and time again, there's no such thing. 
those terms were developed for people like us to be simple, like, oh, I'm a, I'm a Republican, I'm with so-and-so, I'm a Democrat, I'm with so-and-so. They don't care about you, and it has nothing to do with being a Democrat or Republican. Okay? Actions speak louder than words. But this guy would have been in their wheelhouse of the agenda that they would want to push. But he didn't fall in line with the the actual uh, point of their of what they were doing. So Coakley was an assistant to a special committee on rules under Mayor Harold Washington, who became the first African American to be elected mayor of Chicago. Coakley also served as special assistant to former mayor of Chicago Eugene Soar who stepped into the role following the sudden death of then-Mayor Washington. So, um, Coakley was criticized for lecturing that Jewish doctors, now, this was back in the mid to late 80s, okay? Hear the words I'm going to say, and think of what's going on right now. Coakley was criticized for lecturing that Jewish doctors were using the AIDS virus and infecting black babies in an attempted genocide against Africans. His comments forced his ouster from his position as a disorder in 1988. Now, back to the Bush crime family and the eugenics uh, episode I did. This was part of that. Was Steve Coakley wrong? Um, <laughs> Steve Coakley was relatively young when he died. He was only 60. Okay? When he made these comments, he was, what, 36? He was born in 52. He wasn't a crazy old man. He was a 30-something-year-old man that had ideas. He was very much pro-black, but wasn't... I, I want to see how I want to try and put this. You have pretend black people. You have pretend pro-black people. So you have people that are African-American, right? And they want to scream from the rooftops that they're pro-black, but they're not pro-black in the sense that you would think. Take BLM, for example. Black Lives Matter, right? You had the three women that started that organization up, right? Patrice Cullors and the other, I don't know the other two's names, I'm sorry. No disrespect, but whatever. Tell me one thing that that group, now the phrase Black Lives Matter, okay, yeah. Black Lives Matter, White Lives Matter, whatever. They all, all lives matter. But the phrase that started a movement that started a windfall for these ladies, what have they done for the black community with all this money that that movement raised? Nothing. They haven't done one damn thing for the black community. Nowhere. Not one city, neighborhood, area of this country has Black Lives Matter put all that money into. And I'm not even saying all that money, just some of that money up. A fraction of that money. Nothing. They haven't built a park. They haven't built a school. They haven't done anything with that money. It's only black lives that mattered when it comes to the BLM movement 
are those three ladies. And that's what I'm saying. To be pro-black isn't like the ladies for Black Lives Matter. That's not pro-black. That's pro-themselves. Um, he comes out in 1988, says, because you guys recall, if you're of my age or older, you recall in the mid to late 80s, the AIDS epidemic was going rampant, which, by the way, Dr. Fauci was around for that. Um, you had, he wasn't the only person saying this. You had plenty of, of, of minorities saying, and it, and it went into addition with the crack epidemic that started around this same time in, the, in little, a few years earlier, probably in the early 80s in the inner cities. And a lot of these things were funded by the CIA, by, and who was running the CIA at that time? George Bush. George Bush, whose family was all about eugenics and population control. So, was Coakley wrong? I mean, obviously, there's there is no way to prove that. Um, but it, it makes you wonder. I guess if you know Susie Johnson comes in to um, to uh, you know to you know have a uh, uh, paternity test. Oh, I think I'm pregnant. I need a pregnancy test and. Were they shooting up the babies with AIDS? I mean, who's to say? So, um, Coakley was known for his conspiracy theories involving the black male elite organization known as Sigma Pi Phi, or the Boule. The Boule was, of course, I'm going to repeat myself, was a black elite man in Philadelphia that was founded in 04 by Dr. Henry McKee Minton and five of his peers. It became the first nation, or First nation's first black organization. Coakley called the Boulay an illegal criminal enterprise full of black complicity in its centralization of worldwide power of the New World Order. The Boulay are in cahoots with white power structures to keep wealth and power limited to the very few. Um, whoops, what happened here? <laughs> so I had already read this. This was about the book and everything. But um, so he was also part, he also had a conspiracy theory on Martin Luther King. And <laughs> um, the part, what I'm, what I'm about to tell you right now is, um, is probably going to be a little shocking. Okay, so Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King, was, as we know, part of the, um, of the, uh, Boulay Society. Okay. And, um, also, his inner circle, part of his inner circle was Jesse Jackson, right? So, according to Steve Coakley, um, Dr. Martin Luther King was murdered by the CIA, now, I don't know that that's shocking. I, I, that could probably fall into the news of the obvious <laughs> portion of our show that we do every now and again. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, the, the, the ironic part is who in his inner cir circle 
was part of the conspirators to kill Martin Luther King. And that was Jesse Jackson. Now, why would Jesse Jackson do that? Well, who was Jesse Jackson prior to Martin Luther King being killed? He was part of his inner circle. He was probably a confidant. He's probably a friend. But who was Jesse Jackson after Martin Luther King was killed? Who was Al Sharpton after Martin Luther King was killed? So, ideally, the way it works is this. In these secret societies, and I'm talking Freemasons, Skull and Bones, Illuminati, uh, the, uh, these, these gentlemen here, the, the Boule, the, uh, I can't think of the name of them off the top of my head, but these different secret societies, and this isn't just an American thing, this is around the world. Um, we, and it, I guess it even goes back to, like, you could even use mafia situations in this. You don't just leave. You know, you could, you could be a part of a group, and um, you... Uh, <laughs> You don't just leave. You you you're you're in the mafia and you see something and you want out. You don't just walk away. You know it doesn't work like that. Um. So. I think. I'm sure Martin Luther King wasn't the first boule to be killed for wanting to leave the boule. Um. Ideally, I think much like a lot of the people that join. Uh, these fraternities, the Sigma Pi Phi, and it's not just that one fraternity, it's the, the Divine Nine. So you got to think throughout this country currently how many young men and women of color join these fraternity sororities just because it's a black fraternity or sorority. And then as they get further along in school, and you can see that this this kid is going to be uh, a tremendous football player. You don't have to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. It's not even about that. It's what can you bring to the group, okay? And I would say even nowadays, they don't even focus on college kids only. So like Skull and Bones is a Yale-only thing, right? It's only, it's not there's 20 different skull and bones around the country at different colleges it's only a Yale thing so you have to go to Yale you have to you can't even just join it's not even it's like uh, joining a fraternity where you do rush it's like rush week it's not it doesn't it doesn't work like that for skull and bones with with the boule it kind of works like that because you're you're rushing a fraternity but you're also selected based on who your family is just like the white fraternities just like the skull and bones you're also chosen based on what are you going to bring to the table. If you're a top-notch college football player, you you might have a voice. So if this kid's going to be the best running back ever. Um, he's probably going to go to NFL and be a great. We need him to be part of our group because he can help spread our message. But what happens when, when that person wants out? After they've succeeded so Martin Luther King prior you know in his early life was um, a preacher you know spreading the word of God 
trying to help African Americans in Georgia and whatnot, and went around the country preaching. It's not like he was making millions of dollars doing it, right? But as he gained fame, and you got to think this is early 60s, you still had an issue with whites and blacks in this country, so there was a big portion of this country that could care less about Martin Luther King. Um, so how do you get rid of him? He wants out. He's getting big now. He's a man of God. He sees what this group is all about. Okay? He wants out of the group. You can't just leave the group. Now, I'm sure they didn't tell him that. I'm sure they didn't just say, you can't leave. You're part of something. You're part of this. There's only one way out. I'm sure they don't tell you that. I think his mistake was telling them that he wanted out. And his friend, quote unquote, helped them get him out, so to speak. Now, um, what's the best way to kill a black man of some prominence in the mid-60s? You kill him with a white dude in Tennessee. Right? Was James Earl Ray CIA? I don't know. That's actually probably a show to do. Um, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm writing this down. <laughs> James Earl Ray and Martin Luther King. That's probably something to get in. That's a show for another day. Um... By all accounts, based on what Stephen Coakley said, that you had this sniper, whether it was James Earl Ray, whether it was a CIA sniper, whether it was no one. And he was actually killed by Jesse Jackson. There was a shot, or there was a bang, at least. But was it from a distance, or was it at point-blank range? Obviously, this is 60 years ago, almost 60 years ago. We'll never know unless Jesse Jackson confesses. You'll never know. But that's one of the reasons you see, and this is as I've started hearing about the Black Boulet and started doing some research, it started to make me think of more current events and people. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but Coakley also often lectured on spies placed in the black community to monitor black people and how these spies had ties to the corporate elite, such as the Rockefeller family. These spies were often in the form of social service organizations, such as the United Way or the Urban League. Um, when you look to the, at the board of the United Way, such as the United Way of New York, I'm sure you're going to see Rockefeller dominating. So when those organizations write up those little monthly reports, they help keep black America under control, theorized Coakley. And I have a commercial. We'll be back after this brief commercial break. But, um... <laughs> so, uh... See? I thought, I thought it was going to pop up there. But, um... So, you know, obviously, I guess much in the guise of 
of a, an Alex Jones. Okay, he he was the Alex Jones of his time. His his conspiracy theories surrounded black folks and the things that happened in their neighborhood, and surely he was drummed up crazy. I, the question I would have is how I know he died in 2012. I know he was only he was either 59 or 60. We don't really know exactly. Uh, I don't know when his birthday was, but um. Let me see if uh, this will pop up here. Steve Coke Lee. Let's see when his what his cause of death was. So he wasn't quite sixty. He was actually fifty nine. He was born in June, died in April. Uh, let's see. But uh, this is just off of Wikipedia. This is something to pop. I think this was part of the, yeah. So he's criticized for teaching Jew, uh, teaching that Jewish doctors were using the AIDS virus to attempt genocide amongst Africans. His comment created a national public. He was dismissed. So I already told you about that. But um, interestingly enough, it doesn't say how he died. It just says, uh, born June 1752, died April 11, 2012. Doesn't say of heart failure or bullets to the head. Doesn't say, and I and I find that interesting. Um, let me see if I put death. Now, granted, I'm on Google, so it's going to be hard to uh, to uh, decipher. You know what'll actually pop up. Yeah, and it's it doesn't say how he died, which. Which is interesting because, um, you know, because usually when someone, <laughs> most people, if you go on Wikipedia and it's, you know, oh, so-and-so died on whatever date of whatever reason. Uh, let me see if I can, how, how did Steve Coakley die? How did he die? This is insane. It doesn't even tell you. And and it's just... Let me see if this says anything. No. Let's see. Nope. <laughs> so, there you go. Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to keep dwelling on this. I just find it weird that you can't... Um, find any what his cause of death was and I just find that disturbing anyway so another name in that article was um, Marcus Garvey so Marcus Garvey was a Jamaican black nationalist leader and he was born in Jamaica died in London England relatively young also um uh, so he was a black leader who organized the first important black American nationalist movement based in New York, in Harlem, in New York. Largely self-taught, Garvey attended school in Jamaica until he was 14 after traveling to Central America and living in London from 2012. 1912 to 1914, he returned to Jamaica where with a group of friends he founded the Universal Negro Improvement and Conservative Association and American Communities League. That's a mouthful. 
usually called the Universal Negro, Negro Improvement Association, which sought, among other things, to build the African and black governed nation. Failing to attract the following in Jamaica, Garvey went to the United States in 1916 and soon established branches of the UNA, UNIA in Harlem and other principal ghettos of the North. By 1919, the uh, rising Black Moses, quote-unquote, uh, claimed, to, claimed a following of about 2 million, though the exact number of associations uh, members was never clear. From the platform of Associated's uh, Liberty Hall in Harlem, he spoke of a new Negro, proud of being black. His newspaper, newspaper Negro World, told of the exploits of heroes of the race and of the splendors of African culture. He taught that blacks would be respected only when they were economically strong, and he preached an independent black economy with the framework of white capitalism. To forward these ends, he established the Negro Factories Corporation and Black Star Line, as well as a chain of restaurants, grocery stores, laundries, and hotels, and a printing press. He reached the height of power in 1920 when he presided at an international convention in Liberty Hall with delegates presented from 25 countries. The affair was climaxed by a parade of 50,000 through the streets of Harlem, led by Gar uh, Garvey in a flan in flamboyant array. His slipshot business methods, however, and his doctrine of racial purity and separatism, he even... <laughs> so this was the interesting thing about of Garvey. He actually approved of the KKK because it sought to separate the races. So, in essence, you could say that Garvey was a black Ku Klux Klan. He, he believed that Black should marry black. And I think he even at one point was about going back to Africa. Like black folks should go back to Africa. This and, and he was a black man. It wasn't like he was some southerner. Oh, you guys need to go back to Africa. He wasn't that guy. He was a black guy from Jamaica. Um, But... His beliefs obviously brought him bitter enemies amongst established black leaders, including labor leader Philip Randolph and W.E.B. DeBose, who was the head of the NAACP. Garvey's influence declined rapidly when he and other UNIA members were indicted for mail fraud in 1922 in connection with the sale of stock of the Black, Lawrence, uh, black Star Line. He served two years of a five-year uh, prison term, but in 27, his sentence was commuted by President Calvin Coolidge, where he was deported as an undesirable alien and was never able to revive the moment, the movement abroad. So, I think, I think the interesting part about this, reading this, is how the author of this article breezed right past it. They breezed right past it, okay? He was he felt some sort of way about black people only being with black people. He he approved of the KKK because it promoted racial purity. So he approved of the idea of the KKK because the KKK believed that it should just be white people. Of course, now granted the KKK hated Jews and blacks and Spanish and whatever. It wasn't so much that they their whole thing was about 
racial purity. It was about white is the only way. <laughs> so I think he might have not known the whole story there, but I can understand what he's saying. He's saying that he liked the idea of what the KKK brought because it was all about white power, white unity, racial purity. He felt the same way, just but for blacks. But the interesting part about this article, as messed up as that is, um, is how he went against members of the Boule, Randolph, DeBose, DeBose, DeBois, I don't know, um, in saying the things he said. So what happened to him? He and his UNIA members were indicted for mail fraud. Is that interesting? I'm not saying he didn't commit mail fraud. I don't know that the crux of the story doesn't really go into detail. My point being is this. He crossed the members of the Boule. He wasn't in the Boule. He wasn't part of Sigma Pi Phi or one of the Divine Nine. He wasn't part of that. But he crossed them. So versus him being killed because he didn't really know better. He was convicted of a crime. Whether he did or didn't commit that, I, I don't know. But that's my point. The interesting thing is, is ideally, you would think that the Black Boule, these, these gentlemen, were about that same idea. You had the NAACP, right? That was at the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. Well, that's what... Um, he did also I, I know with the with the slight difference of him <laughs> wanting the uh, the racial purity but it's not like there was white people in the black boule there wasn't white people in Sigma Pi Phi and these other fraternities so were their ideas that far off or was he right and was Coakley right in the fact that the boule was really just a cover to entice black people to follow black uh, leaders, whether they're doctors or politicians or sports stars or whatever, to to believe in one way. Um, so, back to where I was at, over here. Right. So, um... The importance to steal the black professional away from Garvey because, um, so like I said, Garvey was, was the, uh, was the black, uh, puritist, right? So they, the boule sabotaged other black leaders like him. So they obviously sabotaged him because he was of a pro African agenda. Um, he focused on, the betterment of black folks to the point, like I said, where he wanted, he thought everyone should go back to Africa, not in, including himself. So the boule didn't want that. He went against them. They sabotaged him. Um, so it was important to steal the black professional away from Garvey because of Afrocentric organizations that articulated and captured the black professional would give. Now this is a quote. I, I should I should preference this by saying this is from Steve Co Coakley, so I don't want to 
make it sound like this is me speaking. This is per Steve Coakley. But um, captured the black professional who would give Whitey no safe haven in the black community. So the boule, the remaking of the House Negro, was necessary to build a group of Negroes who had an investment in protecting the white system as produced by Whitey having stolen this land, Coakley said. This is post-reconstruction, taking away from the uh, articulate Negro now desiring to place them with organized institutions to keep them away from self-improvement. Um, however, on his website, the Boule said Minton founded the fraternity with the hope of that the special fraternity could effectively serve as a means through which described professional and social support for black professionals would be uh, provided and maintained. So, um, the official history on the Boulay's website also admits to its once secret nature and current exclusive exclusivity. <laughs> In its early years, Sigma Pi Phi could be viewed as a secret organization that could that um, consciously avoided publicity. It was not until 1982 that the fraternity adopted the policy of limited and selected publicity. The website states. It, re re it reiterated its commitment to uplifting the communities, com communities, communities its member resided in. But members can be from other races and ethnicities. Mm, can they? Although no longer secret today, it can be described as a fraternity that ex exists with little fanfare and one that act actively seeks to improve the lives of citizens in the communities in which it, the members are associated through social acted actions and public policy program initiatives. So here's where I call bullshit on that. Okay, in doing research for this show, Google the black boule. Google these things. You're not gonna find a lot. It's not that prominent. It's not uh, I shouldn't say prominent, but it's not that uh unsecretive. I don't know that that's the word I want to use there, but it's still pretty secretive. You still got to know somebody. So what I want to do here is um, I think I'm going to go ahead and make sure this doesn't play what I'm looking at right now. Okay, so yeah, I want to pause that. Where is the pauser? All right, so um, yeah. So... Uh, yeah, I want to go ahead and stop here because we're just about in an hour, so I don't want to get into the uh, current lineup of Black Boule members. And um, the reason I say I don't want to get into it now because I don't want to get killed. No, I'm joking. I don't care about that. Um, it's, a, it's a list. I'll, I'll just say that. And these are current people that are in this group. Um of, of of consequence, not just uh, stars. You got movie movie stars, TV stars, act uh, uh, rappers, singers, um, politicians, past politicians, past. And it's it's going to be interesting as we go down this road because um, I'm going to draw lines between what happened to Martin Luther King and other black leaders. Now, I don't want to. 
get it confused and trying to make it say that uh, Kanye West or Tupac were was a Dr. Martin Luther King, but in essence, in today's world, weren't they or aren't they? I just want to say one thing, and then we're also going to touch on. I, I talked about. Um, uh, I've talked about other black leaders, and um, Farrakhan was one of them. And I played it. Well, I didn't play a speech, but I, I listened to a speech of his, and I put it on the show notes. And this was back in like March of last year, because um, the, the, the speech was very interesting to me. And the things he said, and I was like, how is this guy still alive? Well, because he's part of the boule. Okay, so you had Martin Luther King. You had Farrakhan. You had Malcolm X. They were all part of this, the uh, the black boule society. Of those three, there's only one still alive. I mean, Jesse Jackson, he wasn't prominent like the other three were and or are at the time. Um... Jesse Jackson's rise to to fame, so to speak, was after Martin Luther King's death. Um, but you could throw, if you want to go back to the 60s, you can throw Malcolm X into that mix. The fact that um, Farrakhan's still alive. I, at the time I heard that speech, I was, I was like, how's, he, how's this guy? And that was you know, a 20, 30-year-old speech. How's he still alive? Well, because he's on board with this. And that's, I think that's the connection here with the Black Boule, the secret society, the whole point of this was to... I mean, I really hate to say it, but it's basically to hold the black people, the black race down. And you could say, well, how is that possible? Look, there's so many... Look at how many how many stars and how many uh, athletes and, you know, uh, superstars and movies and, or, I mean, actors and... And singers and so on and so forth. Look at how big these people are. Look how rich they are. Right, because they're the chosen few. I mean, it seems like a lot, but it's really, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that many people. You know what I'm saying? But they're part of the Hollywood elites. And it's interesting that we're that I'm doing this show today, and, and I'll finish it on Wednesday, because it, we're barring this hurricane that's creeping down on us again, a November hurricane in Florida, right? Assuming it's just a rain event like we're hoping for, we're looking to do a DTOM's, uh, DTOM X-Files show this week, uh, and we're going to base it around Hollywood elites and conspiracy theories around those people, and not current, like not just necessarily current Hollywood situations, but Hollywood since its existence, okay? And that's going to be an interesting show, but it's going to piggyback off of this Black Boule because... What we're going to get into on Wednesday with this show is the celebrity aspect of the Black Boule. Because for the most part, you don't have, well, I don't want to say you don't have, but the doctors and the the scientists and the lawyers and those type of people that may or may not be in the Black Boule or once were or maybe thought about it, they're of they're not of consequence and I'm not saying they're not important if they're a doctor or whatever they're obviously more important than I am but to the powers that be they're not important unless they're going to run for congress or senate or you know governor or, or state something or another you have to be able to have um, persuasion power 
whether it's political or fame or athleticism. We'll get into athletes. We'll get into basketball players, football players. We're going to get, it's a long list of people and some people that aren't here. And then, like I said, that's when you flash back to MLK. The only way out of the boule is by death. All right, guys. With that being said, today is November 7th, 2022, and I am your host, Don Q. Guys, please don't forget to visit us on our social media platforms. Don't Tread on America on Facebook, Instagram, and the Ticker Talker. And uh, go to uh, DontTreadOnAmerica.com. Follow us there on our website. You can subscribe to the page. And guys, please, like I said at the beginning of the show, please, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, subscribe to the show. And then share this with your friends. And uh, don't forget to check out our sponsors, ChristianLawsonWatches.com, ChristianLawson.com, and uh, Maker's Mark Bourbon, and of course, the OG the original redcon1.com the links will be at the bottom of the podcast app and once you're listening to this on click on them get you some protein shakes get you some bourbon and get you a watch sugar water other than that i'll talk to you guys again on wednesday and we'll finish out this boule situation and uh hopefully i'll still be alive <laughs> with that being said guys you have a great day and uh oh also damn damn it i meant to bring this up at the beginning of the show if you're still listening, vote, guys. Tomorrow, tomorrow's vote day. Go vote. <laughs> All right. You have a great day, and I'll talk to you again on Wednesday.